Hi, David, and welcome to the Sporting Global Podcast. It's a pleasure having you here all the way from Ireland. How, how are you? It's a pleasure to be here. I'm good. I'm good. I'm, I'm in lockdown, I'm sure, like most of the people listening. But uh, yeah, the weather's not too bad. At least I have something nice to look at out my window. So Right. I mean, like, at least I think you can go out maybe a little bit and, and get some fresh air, though. Maybe hike. You know, I, I guess, like, <laughs> Ireland is sort of, like, you know, known for that beautiful landscape and nature so it's maybe not the worst place to be stuck at no as long as it's not raining which is yeah. only 50 percent of the time so it's, it's <laughs> pretty good i mean like I, I i am well aware of the rain as well like as a norwegian i think we have our both have our fair share of fair share of rain but anyways uh you know i'm really happy here to be with uh, with david i really appreciate you you taking the time and we're going to dive into a little bit of your journey you know uh, sure. with badminton ireland alongside with sort of like you know how it has been for you managing this badminton ireland essentially through the covid i mean like it's been mm -hmm. impacting the entire sport industry and, and it's been a, a lot of challenges coming up with that so that's gonna be really exciting um before we dive into that i just want to like for everyone that is tuning in sure. you know if you want to hear more insights to uh, you know, people like David want to hear more about tips and experience in, in the industry, you know, make sure to like this video, maybe subscribe as well, you know, and we have a lot of good insights coming in weekly about people in the industry sharing their insights. So, and if you have some recommendations of who we want to speak to, like leave a comment in, in, in the chat or whatever it is below and, uh, and we'll, we'll take a look at it. You never know who's, who's ending up here. So David, Sure. I'm just going to like dive right into it. How, how did sort of like your journey in the sport industry begin? My journey uh, working in sport was probably quite unconventional how I got started. So uh, my background is in audio and visual engineering. So I studied at college to become an audio visual engineer. And my goal at the time was to get into sort of video production and right. uh, audio production. Um, uh, through that, uh, in the college, I started to work uh, with the Monster Rugby team on their yeah. their website, their platform. We did a couple of videos um, yeah. for that. We'd interview players, uh, do a bit of streaming, edit the videos. So, I mean, I suppose that was my first touch point working in a sport. Uh, it was unpaid work. It was through the college, but uh, it was a good experience. <laughs> right. Um and that so then i left college and there wasn't a whole pile of work in some of the industries i was looking to get into um but i did spot uh, an opportunity with badminton ireland they were looking to advance and establish uh, a streaming platform mm. so video streaming uh for for badminton matches and uh the technology is advanced every year year on year to the point where anybody now at this point can set up their own streaming service really right. um and do 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 plenty of uh of cool and neat tricks so yeah. um i went up uh to to meet the ceo at the time uh, it was a guy called richard vaughn and uh he was uh, he was working there there was an event and i just sort of got got stuck into that um helped them develop it uh, initially, it just started out just sort of coming up, helping, or volunteering, really. Yeah, yeah. Um, but I was interested in it. I played badminton in school. I'm not really a badminton player. Still, still, I'm still not. But uh, I was interested in the sport. Um, yeah, yeah. Purely from the standpoint of I'd never sat down and actually watched a match until I started to stream it. I was like, oh, this is really right. fast. Really fast. Uh, <laughs> everyone has their perception of badminton uh, until you actually see what the professionals are like. So, um 
I kind of just took the initiative and I went and spoke to the CEO and I said, look, I'm, I want a job. I'm, I'm interested in getting to know more about the sport and learn a bit more and, and be more involved. Um, and they took me on as a, an administrative sort of person. I was basically just given any little job, update yeah. the website, do a bit of marketing, social media. Um, so that's where he started, like the video content marketing side of things. Um, and then really from there, it was just working around with other people in the office. And look, some of it is right time, right place. Yeah. You know, um, and you, you get a good opportunity. But that's where I started. I started in that 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 space, doing a bit of volunteering. Um, and then eventually just got in the, in the door into that office. That's, that's awesome. I mean, like, I think you have a really good point in terms of like people's perception of badminton. You know, I think mm -hmm. like everyone is just like, it's just this casual summer you know, I don't know, summer sport know. <laughs> that people just do for mm. fun. But then when you start looking sure. at what the pros are doing, you're like, whoa, mm. that's a completely different level. Yeah, I, I think that's one of the, the, the really cool things about the sport is it can be that really relaxed summer yeah. game that you play outside or inside. and um, But you can go, you know, it can become really, really intense once yeah. you start to move up. Once you get into the professional level, it's it's so fast. It's so technical. Um, and I just don't, I think the vast majority of people out there maybe don't realize that until they've, they've experienced it. Um, right. But it, I think it. like badminton has that as sort of like an upside in a sense too, though, if you think about it, like how, mm -hmm. I, I guess like how easy accessible it is for people, you know, in a sense of like everyone, I guess, like has a positive uh, perception of badminton, you know, maybe yeah. not like, I just think it's an awareness of like what is badminton professional look like mm -hmm. and what is the demands for it because people are more like oh it's a summer activity yeah but I still yeah. think like it is a huge upside having that you know just the positive mentality around badminton and like association mm -hmm. with badminton it's a, it's you know it's a kind of like you know very cheap I guess sport as well in a sense yeah. you know you don't need yeah. a lot of equipment to make it work uh, of course. Yeah. Now I don't know all the requirements and all the stuff for like actually doing like a proper tournament and everything, but, but, but yeah, it, it, it is the feeling like, I think it's a, it's an interesting sport. And, and I think once people also realize, okay, what's, how does he run, you know, from a mm -hmm. both grassroots and, and professional perspective too, which obviously we we can touch a little bit upon as well. Sure. And, and obviously, you know, I think, I think it's been, you know, you, you talked a little bit about sort of like, you know, building, uh, volunteering, uh, sort of like getting your foot in the door. And for mm. those that don't know, you know, you, David, you essentially built your way from an intern to the CEO of Badminton Ireland. And it just showcased sort of like, you know, the importance of, of you have to start somewhere and sort of sure. like getting your foot in the door. And on this journey like why like what have you learned so far and i guess you touched a little bit upon like why badminton but i want to just like what was it that dragged you into that <laughs> um well, well like i said i mean that was, was, was the starting point um yeah. i didn't have any uh affiliation with badminton before um that first touch point when i started doing the streaming uh, yeah. are playing it in school but I played lots of other sports I wasn't very good at most of them but I, <laughs> I played lots of other sports right um and no it wasn't my it wasn't a sport that I was affiliated with really um so but I think that's important I think it's important for people especially in sport I mean it it, it is a competitive industry to get working yeah. you can't be too picky you can't say well I'm going to work in this sport because I love it right I would nearly argue that it's better not to be invested in the sport 
there's always a lot of politics involved with sports, you know, yeah. sports clubs and people, a lot of volunteers involved. Right. Uh, if you're looking to get involved, you kind of want to be unencumbered by people saying that person is only doing this because they're playing in this county or they're playing in this region and they like this particular aspect. So right. for me, it was it was it was really good um, learning curve because I had no real understanding of how the sport yeah worked um and that that kind of fed my interest a bit because i wanted to learn more um Mm. and that that's another thing i definitely think worth considering if you do get your foot in the door don't stop at the area you like a lot of people i've i've come across uh have always wanted to work in marketing in sport or they wanted to do a, a particular aspect of it but it's never that simple um most sport ngbs or companies they're working with very limited resources they like people that have a diverse set of skills mm. that can jump around and can do other things so if you're given the opportunity to learn something to to get yep. stuck into a different area that you may have no interest in but you but you've been given the opportunity take it yeah learn um that that's that's how my journey that that helped me get to where i am now i mean i started in marketing but I was given opportunities to work in membership, to work mm. in events, to work with the high performance team. And I took them. Yeah. Uh, I could have just stayed in my box and said, I just want to do marketing and video right. content and uh, video production. Um, I probably wouldn't still be there right now if that had happened. But because yeah. I spread out and I got to understand the business from different angles, it gave me an edge when the CEO role came up. Yeah. No, 100%. 100%. And I think you're touching upon something very important and uh, in terms of like just grabbing the opportunity when it's there because again mm-hmm. you sort of like have like this perception i even remember when like i was going to the u.s and and i was like the only thing i said i was like i want to work with uh, you know football so like you know any mm-hmm. kind of soccer you know like football you know whether that's mm-hmm. it could be you know uh, indoor football it could be futsal it could be beach soccer i ended up working for like a sure. uh, soccer ball like uh, manufacturer i work for like beach soccer i work for like a soccer mm-hmm. like it's just like again i just have like a very open mindset and even through that like mm-hmm. i learned like well to be fair i could even like work with baseball and basketball and whatever it was because mm-hmm. they run the organizations the same way it didn't matter what sport you were sure. in because they run it the same, sure. the same way so i think it's also mm-hmm. about like just having that open mindset and and as you said like mm-hmm. grabbing the opportunity when it's there um and that's probably like one of the one of the key lessons to to take from here and as you said like this has been sort of like one of the key metrics for you in being in the position that you are 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 today so that's i think that's, that's a really great um really great advice and and now that you're sort of like managing you know badminton ireland in during the pandemic like what are some of the challenges that mm-hmm. you that you've been facing and or like how are you been able to overcome it these days if you have been <laughs> sure no I, I, well look i mean i think we've been very lucky um really uh, throughout all of this considering the impact of covid yeah um this was a new challenge for i think everybody um whether you're a long-term ceo with years and years of experience or someone like me who's you know been in the role a couple of years but not that long and it's the only ceo role i've, I've had thus far Right. Uh, this was completely new. This was completely new. This was something nobody had ever seen. Um, 
so I, I mean, for me in the early days of this thing was that uncertainty. That was the mm. challenge. Yeah. And nobody knew. Nobody, nobody right. thought when this thing happened this time last year or um, maybe what is it, 11 months that yeah. we would still be in this position. Nobody, nobody said that. Uh, or at least if they did, I didn't, I didn't hear from them. Right. Um, so that was, that was the challenge because we were making strategic plans and uh, taking actions to come out of the COVID lockdown, the first one. We're now in our mm. third one. The first one, uh, we, were, we were all prepared for starting our season last September as normal. Right. Um, so definitely the biggest challenge was that uncertainty and adapting to that uncertainty. Mm. Um, that is a difficult thing to manage because you've got to be able to move on your feet. You've got to be able right. to act quickly and um, getting the information as quickly as possible getting it out to your members the strongest thing i had at my disposal at that time was my team mm. the staff were always switched on always ready to go always communicating uh, as best they could and there was time our members were very frustrated because they wanted to just play the sport right. we did not have the information and we were the point of contact to say you can't play right now um right. But the guys were very quick to react. They anytime new information came available, they got it out to the members. Um, and we were always coming up with innovative ways to stay relevant. Right. It's one of the most difficult things, I think, for some sports when you haven't I mean, there hasn't been a game of badminton domestically played in Ireland since June. Um, it's hard to stay relevant, and that's important. You gotta stay in the mindset of your members and stay relevant to your members. Otherwise, when we come back, which we will, every we, this will end. Yeah, yeah. You don't want to be starting from a, a position where you've lost loads of members because yeah. they just forgot about you. So you have to stay relevant. You have to stay, um, stay ahead of the ball. And and I've had a really good team around me to to manage that, which has been a godsend. I have to say. Uh, that's that's really great to hear. And and let's talk a little bit about sort of like the the member side of things and. Mm -hmm. And also, like, just some of the new initiatives that you sort of, like, had to adapt with that. Like, like what was sort of, like, you, you, the first reactions coming up from the members? And how do you sort of, like, you know, maintain them in a sense? Because, I mean, like, they're sort of, like, your your bread and butter, you know? It's, like, yeah. what you need, you know, in, yeah. in these sort of things. And what were some of, like, the new initiatives that you were, were, were kind of, like, working on in terms of, like, maintaining them? Well, well, volunteers, like, like you're absolutely right. They're, they are the bread and butter. They're, as I said, they're the lifeblood of the sport. Yeah. Uh, so when I say our members are our members, the volunteers are actually the, the first point of contact you'd have with the members. These yeah. are the people that are in the clubs. Um, yeah, yeah. If you, if you main, they're the backbone. If you maintain them, you might lose members, but those people will get more members back. So yeah, yeah. Um, our first point of call was really to engage with them. And it's funny, I remember when the, the pandemic was being talked about, I, it was actually, I was actually in England in the middle of March last year, and mm -hmm. I was getting phone calls from club volunteers saying, I think we're going to have to shut down. Uh, and, and this was very, like, I hadn't been told this by any people uh, in positions of authority yet. Yeah. These, this was coming from the ground. So it was really, it was really, uh, indicative of the volunteers who have their pulse on the what the members are doing they were seeing less people come in the doors people were starting to get a bit nervous right. and they were saying to me look i think we're gonna have to shut down and two weeks later we did two weeks later we did shut the whole sport down yeah um initiative wise 
in the early days of the pandemic, our goal was communication. Mm. That was really it. And we launched our Club Calls initiative back in, I think it was May of last year, where we basically had a staff member ring every volunteer, every club. Yep. As the 350 clubs in the country. So that was a big bit of work. Um, <laughs> but that really helped because we figured out what the issues were for yep. people, where the uncertainty was, how our communication could be tailored then to alleviate those concerns. Right. And plus, it was good for them just to hear from someone from Babington Ireland. Right. And, and showing that you're there, you know, and exactly. then having that, that voice. And I think everyone as well, like being through this situation is, you know, that you're being heard and that mm. you're having someone to talk with about, you know, that at least from your side too, that mm. they know that you are there, you know, for exactly. them and that you're trying to solve this, you know, mm. as fast as and, and best as you can, but together mm. with them, you know, and not like on your own or like mm. excluding them in somehow. And I think that's a very key lesson, you know, to, to take yeah. from this. Absolutely. And we've actually since done that club call initiative again. Um, and we plan to do a third rollout again before the, the new season in September because uh, yep. it was very popular and we learned a lot. And right. Right. I think it's important to make sure that you never you never take the stance that you know everything that's going on. You know, yeah. when you're dealing with a sport and, and different regions, it's very important. So there's always something to learn. Right. 100%. And, and what I like some of the, how are you sort of like preparing for, I guess, like the new season coming up in September? Like, what, what sort of like, what have you learned from like the, I guess, last year when you were <laughs> preparing from for, for the new season? And, and yeah. <laughs> I guess like in the back head and now, like going up to this, this September season. Uh, a lot. I learned a lot. I learned yeah. not to be as, um, certain of uh the the future as i was right. uh, i i remember distinctly talking to the staff and the board of Bamford in ireland and explaining that we were planning a full return to sport in september um, and that's the way the numbers were going the way the, the the politicians were speaking it seemed very plausible we were going to get back to normal come september october last year yeah um this year i'm taking a much more cautious approach i do think there's a lot to be optimistic about with the vaccine. Um, and I do think um, that we will be back playing some kind of badminton this year. It might be slightly more impacted. It's not going to be business as usual, but I think it'll be better than it was last year. Um, the, what I'm doing this year uh, is we're, we're really investing our time into strategic development. Mm. Um, so we're planning we've got two strategies we're developing our new strategy from 2021 to 2025 um so i mean the good thing about the pandemic is staff have a bit more free time so we're utilizing them a bit more in strategic development and um it, it, it's funny one of the, the key things i learned from the, the chairman of Abington ireland or the previous chairman of Abington ireland Ronnie rooney was never waste a good crisis and we were in a crisis. We are in a crisis, but we're not wasting it. We're utilizing the time to right. develop strategies to get people back. Um, so we've got our main strategy, but we've also got what we're calling our reboot strategy, which is rebooting the sport. Yeah. Um, and we're working on that right now. One of the key things we want to do with that is, provided it's allowed, is to be seen. So to actually organize a bit of a roadshow around Ireland and... Mm. Um, promote the sport get some exhibition matches get our high our, our, our high performance talents out yep. around the country where possible um 
yeah, yeah. and just really be seen on the ground because people haven't seen us. Uh, they may have heard from us, which is good, but they haven't seen us in a long time. So yeah. I think it's important to address that. So um, that's my learning for, for this one is really to do a lot more planning, a lot more strategic preparation, make sure we're ready to hit the ground running. Yeah, I think I think it's kind of like you really wanted to like my my next questions here here already with the precautions and pre preparation for 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 this year and next year. But if you're thinking a little bit about like you know the precautions that that you set for like the rest of this year and and next year, like what are some of the stuff that you've been sort of like working on and I guess like implementing into this strategic yeah strategic plan of yours. Well, the strategy is one um is is a big one, but Another one is, is the, uh, the finances and managing those. Um, we're very lucky because the government of Ireland have been very supportive of sport and there's been grant aid put in place yeah. to protect. Uh, so we, we've benefited from that, but we didn't stop at just us. You know, there are structures underneath us, like branches and clubs that need support. So we were very fortunate to be able to secure funding for them as well. That's great. So that's one of the precautions we spent a lot of time on to make sure that we would have funding ready for clubs, yep. uh, which is being dispersed now for the new season. Um, another precaution is our, our operational plans, which we develop usually the last quarter of every year. Um, mm -hmm. The one we developed towards the end of last year, we have developed two, two, two sets of direction depending on what happens. So. We have our operational plan as normal if the COVID is dealt with and we're able to get back to normal come September. But we have options there should that not happen. That we're not just like last year, not just left standing there. Oh crap! What do we do now? We gotta right. we gotta come up with a new plan. We have the plans in place, yeah. um, and that that was a, a, a that was that was important for me to have that precaution there to have that ready because we have to make sure we're delivering something mm. uh, this year. So. Um, that's another one. Another, I don't know what you call it a precaution, but what I'm calling a key action for us is to really uh, upgrade our communication platforms. Right. So we have a membership system and we have, we, we don't have a mobile app. So we're trying to work at upgrading those that the, we can improve communication with members. And I suppose it is a precaution in a way that, that when when things do go back to normal that we are able to communicate more effectively than we are now yeah yeah so that's all benefit long term too you know at the end of the day communication yeah. is t is key and i think you know you've been seeing as well like you know doing those call initiatives you know those kind of mm -hmm. things that you've been learning so much from is mm -hmm. you know at the end of the day keeping people involved of what's going on um and, and i think as well like i think you said you had like 350 clubs or something mm -hmm. around around the country and I mean like that's a lot to deal with and and they all need to know be on the same page I guess of what you're what you're planning ahead and and, and I mean like uh, I'm just really you know impressed of like you know all, all the stuff that you've been working on like all, all the initiatives and I think it's it's really cool to see you know like how you're thinking on this and uh, there's a lot to learn I mean like I think for those that are you know tuning in there's there's a mm -hmm. lot of wisdom and thoughts to to take from this because i mean like i even said to like you know my team as well like it's not going to be the first pandemic we're going to come across probably you know especially especially these days you know i'm mm. uh, like you're just like you know if you're thinking from a startup perspective too it's already hard being a startup and uh, 
you know, then you get a pandemic and on top of it. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, it's just you adapt or die, you know, it's, it's said as well, like you got to speed up, you know, and utilize mm. the, the, the situation to, to make the most out of it. And, mm. and that, that's a key, key lesson, you know, because you can't just sit there and wait for something no, to you happen. Can't. No. And, and if we, if we take that back to sort of like a student perspective or like a young sports professional mm-hmm. and we just like turn the tables a little bit here and say like okay even as a student young sport professional you can't just sit and wait for the pandemic to go over nope. so what are some of the things that you know first and foremost what are kind of the skills that you see for these people now that will be key for the upcoming sport professional based on what you've seen and faced during the pandemic it's, it's it's a very interesting question. Um, I think based on my experience with badminton for the last number of years, and this may not be true for every country and every um, sure. sport or sporting organization, but the needs and the skill sets and the roles, the type of roles that are there are really expanding. Uh, you know, when I started in there, you know, you had a membership person and an events person. Yeah. And that was it. You know, and right. a couple of people around that. That was it. Yeah. Um, but there are, you know, there's a lot of increasing roles and functions that are coming out for sport. And the best example I could give you would be um, governance. And mm. uh, it's taken a big, big chunk of attention away from sport right now is the area of governance. And a yeah. couple of years ago, we talked very little about good governance. You know, yeah. it was. You, you, you would do what you thought you had to do, but you didn't yeah. think about good governance. And um, there was a code brought out that was advisable, a volunteer governance code. Um, and over the years of, of adapting that code, we've actually j- created a role um, and filled it in the last two years of a governance officer. So this person's primary role in our organization is to make sure our policies are correct, make sure there's training, education going on, child safety, data protection. Data protection is another one. I mean. You know, it feels like so long ago, but GDPR came along and that was a sole focus for a lot of uh, sports with adapting to that. So, I mean, that's an area that was not there six years ago Mm. and is a huge part of sport right now is making sure your GDPR is looked after and that you've your training done. So, you know, could something happen with COVID? I think I think you could see something like that where maybe it's not COVID related, but yeah. you know, um, business continuity. Every organization has business continuity plans, but they're usually sitting on a shelf and they've got dust on them, and you pull them down and every year to make sure they're up to date. But you don't really know what's in them. Um, right. I, I can tell you, I know what's in my business continuity plan now because <laughs> I've had to use it so much. You know, what right. do you do when you don't have an office? What do you do when you don't have? Um, yeah. don't have access to a building or your staff are spread out across the country so i mean i know that's not quite answered your question now um in terms of what 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 skill sets i, I think it does depend on the area you want to go into mm. but if i was to say at a base level looking at where we've been now right if you wanted to be valuable to a sport having experience or knowledge of how to plan and execute a strategy Mm. is really good because if you can show an ability to not just come up with ideas but to plan them out you know and actually execute them how do you track what you're doing how do you you know because a lot of people can come up with a plan and say this would be a really good idea this will get us members 
right. okay how are, we, how are we going to do it you know and that's yeah. that's the question I, I see a lot of younger people who have worked in the organization they come up with all these great ideas they never think about that next question right how do we do it what yeah. what, what what's it going to cost how long is it going to take right. these are the things that unfortunately when you're in my position you have to make sure you've got those nailed down yeah. um managing a budget's another one you know at some point in most organizations you're going to be given well most sporting organizations you're going to be given some kind of a budget to stick to right right managing a budget is key <laughs> uh money it, it all comes down to money at the end of the day you know Very it could true. be greatest project or plan in the world if it spends too much money yeah. it's not going to be the greatest plan or project anymore no, um those are those are two areas i think are key uh but another area i think is really important that i think people sometimes miss out on is actually learning to work with others not just staff but particularly in sport learning to actually work with volunteers and yeah. engage with them I, so many times I've come across issues where there's a negative perception between staff of a sporting organization and the volunteers of an organization. Because yeah. the, the the volunteers think the staff think they're better than them and are speaking down to them. Right. And the staff think the volunteers should do what they're told, which isn't, you know, these people right. have been, likely been involved in that sport way longer than yeah. the person working there. And if you can learn to really work on fostering good relationships with those people, yeah. you will get so much more done. You will get so much more done. You'll be so much more valuable. And I think it's one of the things that helped me was actually when I started working on the stream and I was always in a hall. Yeah. So I always got to talk to people who were volunteers who were interested in the, in the right. sport. Yeah. And I got to learn their issues. And I took that back to the office with me, you know? Yeah. Yeah. No, I, I think, you know, at a, broad perspective i think there are some really you know interesting thoughts here that, that mm -hmm. i think the ones that are listening can can really take with them as, as a way of like things to keep in mind you know and like maybe like how do you how do you how do you fine-tune those skills and mm -hmm. and work on those skills as well to like okay mm -hmm. i mean like you, you there are there are probably people out there you know working with their own kind of budgets you know maybe even daily on like okay your food mm -hmm. budget your you know rent budget or whatever that might be mm -hmm. and i mean like that's kind of like a nice tiny case study i mean like if you don't have a lot of experience yet you know kind of like Smart. set some sort of plans and and mm -hmm. schedule and and kind of like you know work on these kind of things and yeah and i think it's very important what you talked about as well like you know speaking about volunteers the communication at the end of the day it's communication right it's it is like spreading that word from like, you know, from you or whomever that is in your organization to, to the volunteers, to the clubs. Mm. And, and if they're not feeling, you know, happy or that you're not mm. listening, you know, it's going to create a huge challenge, especially mm -hmm. in like a situation like the pandemic. So there, there's a really valuable lesson there. Um, and, and I honestly just have like, you know, one final question and that's okay. essentially just like what are some of the tips that you have you know for, for for these people that are trying to get their foot in the door like where how should they start like where should they start i know we have been touching upon like you know some sure. some key elements but if you can like you know wrap it up in a sense i think it would be be nice from your perspective 
I might be able to wrap it up in one sentence, but I, I, like, you know, I mean, speaking from my experience, the pandemic's going to make life more difficult for people, of course. Yeah. Um, but I don't think it, it stops you. There's, there's a lot of organizations out there, sporting organizations, I'm sure would, would, would benefit from extra people involved. I, I think you need to start volunteering, yeah. so to speak. Um, you know, whether it's a, an, an internship of some kind or you just, if you have a particular skill that you think is valuable, like marketing or, you know, media creation or something like that, you know, finding a way to speak to someone in charge of the sport and then just offering that skill. That's mm. your foot in the door. You know, I, 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 I've come across people coming out into the world looking to start and they're looking to start at a point that, that isn't there. They're looking to start at a certain salary straight out the gate. And sport isn't that type of industry. You know, there are no as well, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Maybe. You see a Um, lot of things, you know, when you're Yeah, yeah. (laughs) That's that that's uh that's really wishful thinking uh, (laughs) to start at that point. But but you know what I mean? Like there are people out there who think, and look, that's probably what they've been told their whole lives. Uh, you know, you go to college, you graduate, you leave college, you start in a good job. It's not how the world works. Not 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 with with every industry in sports, particularly like that. You've got to get your foot in the door somehow. Get to know the people in charge. Work hard. You know, it, just because you're not being paid does not mean you can, you know, do the bare minimum. You want to impress people. Yeah. Show the um, value. Show your value. Absolutely, that's it. Show your value. Um, I can't promise that every CEO or manager you're gonna you may do this for will recognize it, but if they don't, you probably don't want to work there. Yeah. Um, and it's a good way to weed out potentially about an organization you don't want to go into. Um, yeah. you know, so that's a good way to get in the door. Um, don't wait for the perfect role as well, would be another one, you know. And I know I said that earlier on, but it's important, yeah. you know, if you get an opportunity, if someone's willing to pay you. And it's to do something maybe that seems really boring, and you're like, I don't really want to do this every day. You're in the door. You should do it. Yeah. You never know what doors that will open up for you down the line. And I think also like just from your story too, and like just mm. showcasing like the importance of, you know, where your journey can take you. You know, if you just mm. you know get your foot in the door, you grab the opportunity, and you work hard, and you mm-hmm. you know showcase value. And then one day you can end up of, of, as the CEO, you know? Very cool. yeah. So, so, I mean, like, I, I just like your story because it just showcased like, you know, the importance of just where you can be, where your journey can take you, you know, mm. if you just are willing to put down the work and, and sure. you're okay, you know, with like, you know, you, you're probably as well at that point, like, of course, of course I can, you know, probably, you know, take a better role or, you know, something like that. And I want to be paid, but you're like, okay, this is a great opportunity. And it gives me an opportunity to, you know, get into this sport and, and get into yeah. the sport industry that I want to be part of. And if I continue doing my work and I showcase the value, it will pay off. And, yeah. and that's the thing too, like people acknowledge, you know, your passion, they see your passion and they see your value. It's essentially just up to you to just showcasing that and, and putting down the effort because I mean, like we talked to a lot of people we're probably over like, you know, 60 episodes or something at this point mm-hmm. and a lot of blog interviews and, and everyone says, you know, around the same, like it's effort, it's passion mm-hmm. and it's just showcasing value yes, and it has absolutely. to come from you, you know, no it one does. is waiting. 
No one is yeah. related. No, no, I, I think that's a really good point. And I, I think you're right. Look, I mean, you should be prepared to start low in the salary, but salary isn't everything. I, and I know that might sound a bit condescending coming from me, but um, it, it's it's not. And when I did start, I was on a very low salary. Um, and I was, I was, you know, it was just week to week, living week to week. But yeah. there was learning opportunities. Um, I never felt overworked either. You know, I, I was enjoying right. what I was doing and they were they were appreciative of me. If you find a, a sporting organization that is appreciative of you, re, uh, respects your free time and gives you learning opportunities, you're on for a winner, regardless of salary. Yeah, no, 100%. And I mean, like, I, I even like, sometimes I use the example of uh, when... So when I graduated from my undergrad in Norway, I got offered mm. like a, a sports director job in Norway. Like it was a small club, you know, in, in Norway, but it was well paid, you know, in a sense. Mm. And I was young and I was like, oh, that's that's nice. It's comfortable. But I yes. decided to go to the U.S. And I knew when I when I went over there, I had to start from scratch. Yeah, because I hadn't done anything there yet. Mm. So I first thing I would do was like volunteer. Like it was, it was how I started. And, and I said, okay, I'm going to put whatever effort I can in order to, for them to showcase, I want to be part of this and I can mm. showcase and I can provide value. Yeah. And from that point, you know, I just built my way up. I got, you know, internship, paid internship, you know, and then uh, part-time work. And, you know, mm. there I was so I'm like working for three different organizations getting paid. Yeah. You know, it's, it's yeah. just about, realizing where you are if you're going mm. somewhere new as well like maybe be prepared of like you start from the bottom but if you know that you have the skills and you're willing to put down the effort it will pay mm. off you know but you just got to be prepared for that sort of journey and mm. and and leave your ego at the door you know and and yeah. talk about your value yeah it's a marathon not a sprint exactly so david um you know with that i think you know it's been a it's been a pleasure having you here it's been a lot of fun hearing your insights your story um you know a lot of the challenges that you've been facing uh i wish you you know all the best for 2021 with handling all of these challenges and i really hope you know for everyone's sake that badminton is fully up and running in september for the new season and uh and yeah thanks thanks so much for for joining us you appreciate that Ali. it's been a pleasure absolutely and and I, i'm just gonna end up like with the with a way that we always do so you know i'm gonna teach you a little bit norwegian <laughs> <laughs> okay it's gonna so, end badly Go on. <laughs> no it's, it's all good you don't have to say it though but uh, on, try. yeah yeah so with every video uh you know that we we do we always finish up with this not kiss which means see you later in Norwegian. So say that one more time. Vis nakkes. Vis nakkes. There you go. Perfect. All right, David, you're you're half Norwegian now. <laughs> <laughs> Honorary. Very good. Yeah, exactly. But I'll teach you a bit of Irish so before we go. All right, all right, all right. Uh, I've turned the tables on you, so um, I won't put anything. <laughs> I'm nice and easy. Most people probably know this one. Slanten. Slanten. Slanten means cheers. Thank you. Nice. There you go. There you cool. Go. Awesome, David. Thank you. Cool. Much and we'll uh, we'll talk soon. Thanks, guys. See ya.